How many of you sense the Lord doing something? I felt like I'd, I mean, this sounds so ridiculous, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating or hyping this. I just felt like a, a, a partially drunk person everywhere I went. Just like the Holy Spirit is just present and like I could cry or I could be happy or I could feel a burden. I woke up this morning and I felt like the heaviness of the Lord. Like, it's, I don't know. It's just like, and it's, and it's not, it's not hard. It's not, and it's not me. It's just him seeking us. He's so faithful to seek us. And, and for me, you know what I hate more than anything I, love, I like watching a movie with somebody. I hate watching a movie alone because I love to experience the joy with people. And I just, I want to watch this Jesus movie together. And so I don't know, I appreciate you guys standing. If you could, I'm going to turn my paper over and I'm really, please do this. If, if you did stand and you want to commit into seeking the Lord in some practical way, I'll turn my paper over at the end of service and I just want you to just come write your name. And I'm going to find a way to communicate with you guys on a more persistent basis because I feel like I feel like the Lord is calling some of you. There's the first fruits and then there's the first rain and the latter rain. And I feel like that some of you, like God's wanting to fall right now to, to release a sustaining seeking of Him that happens even ahead of what we're doing in January. And so if you're here, I feel like you were here for a reason. And just go on the ride with us. So, so I'll turn this over and get some sort of communication out. Um, I'll talk about this a bit in January, and I actually wrote a letter. I've never written a letter to Clearpath in all the years. I wrote a letter, this spirit of like writing an epistle. And I feel like that the Lord, the phrase the Lord gave me was discern commitment. I feel like that the Lord is wanting us to discern our commitment to him. It is not what the Lord is looking for that we have all of our confession of all the right. I mean, actually, let me say this. I actually, I'm a, I am a charismatic person who believes that theology matters. So I think it's important that we have our confession in a way that expresses truth. But I think it's also important that we have our commitment that reflects a life. What did you, how did you sing it, Jason? A life of praise to you. What was the phrase? Oh, Jason's back. Where are you? Yeah. Yeah. There is a commitment to following God. When the early Christians, they were, it was called the way because it looked like something. And so I just feel like God is calling us to discern that. Um, okay. I need to be super brief. And I think the Lord is already mainly what, but I'm going to give you this, this context. Um, James 5, 7, 1 through 10, or 7 through 10. This is lectionary text for the week. I'll read it. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. How many believe the Lord is coming? I think we need to remind ourselves of that. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until the receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I want you to think about the coming of the Lord as his actual coming, which I think is the principal thrust of this text. 
but I want you to think about it in, in also his coming into your life. He's always with us, but there are seasons of his breakthrough. There are seasons of his advent in our life. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Okay, my five-minute sermon this morning is wait like the prophets. Wait like the prophets. Um, what's the first? Can you go back to the very first verse? That seven. Therefore, be patient. Got a picture. There's two two pictures that were given. The patience of a farmer, the patience of a prophet. I've given you this picture, but I'm going to give it again. I'm holding a tomato. If you go to the store, you look for a tomato. What are you going to find? Tomato. Um, when a farmer, when a farmer is going to, especially some hundreds of years ago, if a farmer was going to have a crop, he would hold the seed in his hand. He would feel the dirt that he put the seed in. He would wait for the first rain and the latter rain. He would take care of the thorns. He would take care of the critters. He would see that thing in patience and faith all the way through to its fruitfulness. When we go to a store, we don't see the seed, the earth, the rain. We don't see the waiting. We actually don't even see the guy who pulls the fruit off the vine. We don't see the guy who drives it to the wholesale supply. We don't see the truck that comes from the wholesale supply to the, to the grocery store. We don't see the guy who takes it off the truck. We don't see the person who takes it to the little tomato aisle. And actually, we don't have to worry if tomatoes are in season or out of season. There is an extreme lack of intimacy in our world. And I'm not saying this is all bad, but we are very disconnected with the rhythms of nature that God put in the earth. There's, a stream, there's an extreme disconnect of our intimacy of his process. The farmer has to look to the heavens and wait on the rain to come. Are you with me? Our lives do not teach us waiting by nature. The lives we live don't teach us waiting by nature. The lives we live teach us certainty and immediacy. And if you will see, if you will see what God is doing, if you will see what God is doing, in every age of humanity, you will have to, at some extent, live counterculturally. And there are things that we have believed about our faith that God has to do it now, that He has to do it in a way that we understand, in a way of certainty, that have caused disillusionment, disappointment, and a lack of hope to remain in our life. And God says, I want you to wait like a farmer. And so for us, we have, to, we have to really, really imagine that because it's not the life that we live. Are you with me? Okay, so I'm going to move on. I'm not going to belabor the point. Some years ago, 
I was reading one of the prophetic pictures. I was reading Ezekiel. Ezekiel, when the Lord gave him one message, he sent him out of the city to eat food on a burning turd. He laid on his side for three months, didn't cut his hair. And did anybody listen to him? No. Prophets, 90% of the time, were not listened to. And so what the, what the Scripture here says is I want you to wait like the prophets wait. Jeremiah waited like this. He was, people tried to kill him multiple times. He was put in stocks like you imagine at medieval times. He was chained up. But in, but in Jeremiah 20, verse 8 through 12, he says this. For when I spoke, I cried out, I shouted violence and plunder because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, this is Jeremiah, the great prophet, saying, I will not make mention of him nor speak his name anymore. But the word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. For I heard many mocking fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will report it. And all my acquaintances watch for my stumbling, saying perhaps he can be induced. Then we will prevail against him and we will take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty awesome one. I'm not going to keep reading. I'm just going to stop there. I want you to see that prophets waited in a different way. There's two prophets. I'm not even going to like read the whole text that I want to highlight for literally two to three minutes. They both were prophets that saw Jesus. The first is Simeon. And about Simeon, it says, when Jesus was brought into the temple, it says, let me see here. Behold, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's a promise. He would not see death. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do according to the custom of the law, he took up in his arms and blessed God, said, Lord, you... You, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. I want you to see this about Simeon. who is a, He's definitely a prophet. He heard from the Lord. He saw what the promise was. And he looked for it. Different kind of prophet, but he's a prophet. Simeon waited patiently in the singularity of focus. He waited in singularity of focus. He waited for the presence of God manifest through the Messiah. Are you with me? He, he wasn't waiting for 37 things. He was waiting in singularity of focus. I believe in our lives, if we will wait in singularity and in pursuit and focus of the one thing that matters, all the other things will find their place. 
If we wait upon the presence, if we wait upon the Lord, if we wait upon the Spirit's movement in our life, He's already given a Spirit, but we seek Him, we wait with this like clarity of focus, then we will see all the other things take their proper shape. So first point is the prophets waited in singularity of focus. That's what we're doing. The reason I feel like God's calling us to seek Him is about singularity of focus. Does this make sense? No? <laughs> All right. Um, I just don't have time to say that. Okay. Matthew 11, 1 through 6. Second prophet I want to mention. John the Baptist, it says later in this text that Jesus said, there was no man born of water that was greater than he, yet he who is least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. But essentially, Jesus is saying, up to this point, there's never been a man more purely devoted to me. But obviously, by the power of the Spirit, people will be able to live a more full life. And so... Here's what it says about John the Baptist, who was the prophet called to declare the way of the Lord. It says, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in the prison about the works of Christ, he sent to his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus answered him and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up, and the poor have heard the, brought the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. This is also lectionary text for this week. But John the Baptist, who had waited upon Jesus, he prophesied to Jesus, is now in chains, and, and he's wondering, he's doubting, maybe, or at least asking, are we supposed to wait for another? Because this doesn't seem to be working out. My reading in is this doesn't seem to be working out. And Jesus says, look at the things happening. The deaf hear, the lame walk, the blind see. You know, the, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. Some years ago, I was reading the Ezekiel that I meant, burning hair on a turd guy. And uh, he... Uh, He's prophesying and nobody listens to him. And I read the story of David and I'm like, when David goes after God, the whole nation goes after God. And I felt the Lord say to me at that time, a prophet carries, I've shared this, a prophet carries a message, but a king carries a culture. And I was like, okay. So like when David chooses something, it affects other people's decisions. But years later, I was reading the prophets again and I felt like the Lord said to me, yes, but my prophets will pursue me when no one else will. My prophets will pursue me when no one else will. What John the Baptist, what Jesus is asking John the Baptist is, can you be unoffended in me? Can you be unoffended if the outcomes that you expected for your life don't line up for what you were believing for. I feel like that when James says, I want us to wait patiently on the Lord like the prophets, here's what I want you to see, is the prophets waited with singularity of focus. 
and they related, they waited with an unoffendable hope. Or God called them to wait with an unoffendable hope. I'm telling you, they had much to be an offense for. If you get tried, if you get people try to kill you many times, if people defame you many times, things don't, your life ministry, you don't see the outcomes that you expect. There was much to be offended about. And if you think that you have much to be offended about, join the club. Some have more. That's, that's obvious. I've met pastors who've had their friends pulled apart by horse. Like I've, I've, I've seen people that have had a lot to be offended about. And it, and it seems to me that there are people across every experience of suffering, the deepest suffering or the lightest suffering, there are people that choose joy in the Lord and there are people who choose offense. And it seems to not matter the level of suffering. It's like, will we listen to the Lord in the midst of it? In fact, some of the people with the greatest suffering seem more likely to pursue him. So if you're sitting there thinking, I have much reason to be offense. I have much reason for offense because a lot that I've prayed for has not happened God is empathetic for you. I'm compassionate for you. I know I can't understand your suffering. I know, I don't just like think it, I know it. But if you look throughout the ages, it's kind of a, well, we're kind of all in this boat together. If you want to wait like a prophet, Wait with an eye fixed on Jesus and an unoffendable hope. I took a picture. I'll finish with this and we'll go with the communion. I took a picture this morning. Can you throw it up there? This is my Advent candles that I lit this morning. They look like these. Um, the hope candle is the first candle to be lit. And you can notice that the hope candle is a little shorter. There's a couple of scriptures, and I won't build a theological case for this, that talk about faith and love springing from hope. But sometimes it feels like that the hope candle burns down faster than the others do. I'm not making a case theologically. I'm just telling you I was looking at my candles this morning. And I was noticing that my hope candle was the smallest because it had been lit the longest. How many of you feel that way? Like the hope candle's been lit the longest. It's getting shorter. Jesus calls us to wait with an unoffendable hope. He calls us to wait with an unoffendable hope, singularity of focus. And if we will push away, here's what happens. We've said it 800 different ways, 800 different times. If you make your life about the promises of God paying off your car bill or the promises of God making you awesome at whatever you are thinking of, if that's what you build your life on, it's going to be a weak foundation. If you build your life on the, the sure and steadfast promises of God, you will have a solid foundation. And what I'm here to tell you is, Matthew says, 
Ask, seek, knock, and you will what? Find. That one you can take to the bank. And that's what God is calling us to, is to hope in things that aren't a pile of mess. I don't have anything else to say. Um, I have two calls to action. Three now. You come put your name on here if you stood and you are like, I want to commit to seeking the Lord with you. I'm going to, I'm going to invite you in some manner into the way in which we're seeking God. You don't have to wake up at the time that we're doing, but I'm going to invite people to seek God five days a week in some way with us. And then I just feel like we're going to take two, we're going to take Christmas Sunday off, we're going to take New Year's Sunday off, and I feel like, you know, we're going to have a prayer service on New Year's on Zoom, but I just feel like the Lord is going to, is just going to be building up a prayer. It is going to be a praying community by the time we step into praying and fasting time. And so if you stood, please, I will turn over my paper, write your name. For those of you who did not stand, you feel God drawing you. I want to ask you to do two things. It's really simple. Go home tonight and ask the Lord to, to search you. And to search you, you don't search you. You're bad at searching you. you, you when you search you, you feel lots of shame and guilt in this way, and you try to convince yourself that you're better than that. And, you know, like, you know what? No, I'm not, no, you know, you this like all this like internal argument doesn't work. You ask the Lord to search you and say, God, see if there's anything that you want me to give that I may, that I may seek you. That's what I'm asking every person to do tonight. Pray that David, you know, search me, Lord. Please do not be, do not go diving into your abysses, your labyrinth, unassisted by the Spirit. It's just useless. I've tried it for years. It doesn't work. Um, ask the Lord to search you. Come to Him. And if you feel God drawing you later in this week and you didn't stand, come, text me, and I will get, I'll find a way to get you on the journey with us. I just feel like I'm supposed to call our community to seek the Lord in the secret place. And so with that, I was longer than I wanted to be, but I felt called to make those points. Um, I want us to come with singularity of focus to the table and we will receive and, and call this thing a wrap here in a minute. So let's come to the table.